Hello, I'm Jeff Smith, and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people, and many millionaires to find out their secrets of success and to share them here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people from all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick, how they overcame adversity to keep on going. And I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. As for me, I'm often asked about writing and publishing a book. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Patrick Kagan, who's going to share his amazing journey of writing his first book. In 2008, Patrick launched PK Solutions Group, offering sales and business consulting, motivational speaking, and one-to-one professional coaching. I invited Patrick on the show today for a very special reason. He actually interviewed me on his podcast show a few months ago. And at the time, he said he was trying to write a book, but he couldn't get any traction and he'd been stuck for years. We then worked together and he's now almost completed his book in only a couple of months. And now I wanted to talk, get Patrick onto the show to share his journey with you and to explain what was it that made the big difference in his life from struggling and just talking about it to actually getting it done. This is an interview about differentiation and the importance of how to make change happen in your life by speaking with the right people who've already done what you want to do. So let's bring in the man himself. Welcome to the show, Mr. Patrick Kagan. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. What a great introduction. And I, I love what you're doing with your podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much. It's really wonderful to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's, it's been a while since we've spoken. I loved having you on our podcast. Our audience is still resonating with the pearls of wisdom that you shared with everyone. And I admire what you're doing. And I, I also am very intrigued by the secrets of success that you you pursue. Oh, you're a gentleman. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really excited to find more about your book and to find out the secrets of what it took to make it happen. But before we do that, I want to find out more about you, Patrick. I want to take you back to your early life. So three easy questions for you to get us going. Where were you born? What was life like for you as a child? And what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? So I was born uh, in a small town in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, in the United States. Uh, I grew up with very, very humble uh, uh, beginnings, uh, and my childhood was very humble. My family wasn't rich. Um, We probably would be classified as, as lower middle class to poor, but I never knew that. Uh, because my whole neighborhood was like that. So we were just kind of all growing up in the same Chicago neighborhood together. 
working together. And we, we would create our own games. We would have our own rules. We'd have our own resolutions. And, and I think that formed a lot of who I became later in life. I, I learned to uh, work within a group, problem solve, be creative. And at the age of 17, uh, I joined the United States Army. They had a campaign back in, in the early 80s called Be All You Can Be, and they were going to pay for, for college education. And coming from humble beginnings, I had no other way to get to school. So I joined the, the military, uh, and it set me on a path of learning lots of things about, again, teamwork, collaboration, strategy, even differentiation was in there. Uh, and my, my early dreams were simple. Like anyone else, I was kind of in a survival mode. My er early dreams were to get out of poverty or middle class. <laughs> and later when that happens, uh, your, your dreams change. And they, they begin to be filled with more things that have to do with purpose um, and, and helping others and finding your way and building a family and, and, and setting a foundation. So that's kind of my background. Um, I was... I was uh, classified as a high achiever, and that can be a plus and that can be a negative. Um, plus in the fact that lots of employers want to hire you, and I was hired by some of the best around the world. Uh, and negative because you put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to I guess, always succeed and always achieve. And, and you could overlook the value of what people call failure as a really valuable lesson. And that, that comes out in my attempts to write books, as you talked about earlier in my life. Okay, so when you came out of the army, what did you do then? So I, when I came out of the army, my first job was uh, with Procter & Gamble, global company of consumer goods products. Uh, and I just began my, my life in sales and running uh, territories and opening up markets, that type of thing. And I proceeded from that point on in a life of sales with corporate America, different companies, media companies, product companies, technology companies, um, and, and all along progressing through uh, entry level like everybody does, mid-level, senior level, national accounts level. I was put in charge of organizations as vice president of sales, later president of the organization until, uh, and I'm fast forwarding, but until I launched my organization in 2008. Right. Now I'm starting to get excited because I want to get onto this book. Yeah. Right. Um, I was on your show. We finished the show and you were talking to me about writing a book because you'd questioned me about my book and what it took for me to gain my positioning with it. So your book, you've been thinking about it. You've been talking about it and you've been sharing your ideas for years, but you never got it done. You spoke about it to me. I invited you for a chat on Zoom. And here we are, what, two months later? Mm -hmm. And you've almost finished. That yeah. is amazing. So I wanted to bring you onto the show at this point so you can share your journey and go through the things that made the difference between talking about it and getting it done. So when we spoke last week, Patrick, you were on fire. <laughs> Yes. I saw a massive change in you. So from the beginning, first of all, how did you come up with the idea for your book, which is called Sell the Difference? Mm -hmm. And what do you think now, looking back, 
what were the things that were stopping you from getting it done? Yeah, well, and it's interesting because uh, you're talking about the title of it, and, and I've envisioned this book in my head for some time now after working with you. Um, and when I began, when I first wanted to write a book was probably, you know, in the early 2000s. And at that point, I was traveling uh, quite a bit excessively, actually, every, every Monday morning at 4 a.m. till Thursday evening at 9 or 10 p.m. getting off planes every single week. My children were young. And my motivation at the time was to write a book so I could stop being a traveling salesperson or sales leader. That's the wrongest reason in the world to write a book. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it has no focus on an audience, has no focus on what's in it for them. You don't even know if there's value, but I was, and all of us get to that point. We get to that desperate point in our careers where everything looks better. The grass is always greener on the other side. And what you're doing always feels like it's not. And so I started by just jotting down notes in hotel rooms of things I'd learned in sales. And I tried to take that and turn it into a sales book. And I found myself almost writing a how-to, and it was I would hit writer's block. It would fall apart. And I didn't realize why. And I had several attempts, and I would tuck away my notes. And then I stopped. And I just was frustrated with the process, and it wouldn't go anywhere. And I definitely experienced writer's block, and I, I'm not used to that. And... Uh, I get to 2008 and I start my business and I get extremely busy with consultative sales, working with some of the best minds in sales, every industry there is. Um, and I'm enjoying running my business and, and, and it's growing and it's, the book is not on my mind, but yet people are telling me through my podcast, you should, you need to have a book. You need to share this. This needs to be a book. And I keep hearing this and I'm thinking, yeah, uh, I tried to write a book once. Didn't work. <laughs> I didn't try to write it. I, I look back now and go, no, I wasn't trying to write a book. I was trying to stop being a road warrior. And then I meet you. And I do believe that, that everything you need is already in existence in the world. And every person you're supposed to meet is there waiting for you to meet. You just need to meet them at the right point. So when I look back at when I started jotting notes, I was, you know, mid-30s. Thought I knew a lot. I probably did for my for my age and my experience. And now I'm mid-50s. I feel like I knew nothing back then, but I met you. And so to answer your question of what made the difference now compared to then, when you and I had talked initially, I still thought, it does. I don't really think I have a book. And you were convinced when you heard some of the things we talked about that there were more than one book in existence within my head. I just had no clarity of vision I had no clarity of value, but I had a lot of good experiences. My, my podcast is called Sales Hindsights with Patrick Kagan. And we talked about the value of hindsight and what did we learn? And when I looked back at my notes, I learned that what I was really writing down wasn't tactics to handle an objection or techniques to close a sale. I was writing down things that made a difference to the procurement person sitting across the table from me. Could be multi-million dollar deals could be multi-year contracts, but I was writing down things that made a difference in the progression of that sale and to that particular person in procurement. And then I started taking a look at the fact that these folks through the years have brought me with them wherever they go. 
I started to realize differentiation was really what I was talking about. And combining that with your advice and your, your guidance, having clarity when you, you talk to me about who is the book for, Patrick, and what is the book about? What will it do for them? And you had me write this down in present tense. This book is for these people. This book is doing this for these people. And that became what I looked at every single time. And then your last bit of advice was don't try to write chapters in order. Just write when the mood strikes you is what you said. And I, I said, okay, I, I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, but when the mood strikes me. So when I found myself very task oriented, running my business, I didn't feel creative. I didn't try to write. I didn't force it. When I felt creative, I wrote with no particular order, but a particular topic for a particular chapter. And I always had to answer the question, what is this book going about and who is it for? What will it do for them? And I checked myself with these chapters and later had proofreaders check the same thing to make sure who, and I didn't share with them who I said it was about or what I said it was going to do for them. I had them tell me and they confirmed what you and I had talked about. So okay. what I, didn't I, work I, before I, is I had the wrong motivation to do it. Yeah. And what worked this time is I had the clarity of vision and the right motivation. I'm going to rewind your journey because that little part took us three, maybe four, one-to-one sessions of me beating you up. Yes. <laughs> so what happened in the first instance? I said, Patrick, what's this book about? Tell me. First thing is, you couldn't tell me. You were bouncing all over the place, and I had to keep telling you, say, stop. I'm hearing, I'm not sure. I really don't know what I'm hearing. You're talking about too many things. Narrow the field, please tell me, who is this for? And that took you perhaps a couple of weeks to get your head round because I gave you a couple of projects to sort out, and that was one of them. So you brushed across it early when you said clarity. So the first position of clarity was, who is it for? The next question was, why do you want to write this book? And this is really important for anyone who writes a book. And this is because some people just want to write a book. And that's fine. That's okay. But some people want to write a book that sells. And there's a big difference between writing a book that people want to buy and writing a book just because you want to write one. So I moved your mind to, do you want to write a book that people want to buy? And you said, yes, that's what I want to do. And I said, well, why will people buy this book? And you could not answer me. And and this is where we spent our time for probably three or four sessions. Once we got cl- clarity on what the book is about and who it was for, I've never seen such transformation in a person. I said earlier, you are on fire. And he said, right, I need to get writing. And I said, no. And the reason I said no, and you got really frustrated with me, I said, <laughs> don't start writing yet. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your goal in a very specific way. Go away, think about it, come back and talk to me when you've done it. So you came back to me. You came back with your revised goal. He said, I've done it. Can I start writing? I said, no, <laughs> your goal's not good enough. It needs more clarity. <laughs> so, can you remember all these things? 
Oh, I remember. And, 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 uh, you know, what's, what's interesting is I kept telling myself if Jeff's encouragement is the, the voice of my discouragement, then I shouldn't be writing a book. And I also told myself, you've been on this path. You have four successful publications. I don't have any. I'm pretty smart to listen to someone who's done it before. Um, and it was exact. I, the writing of the book was the easiest part of the process. Absolutely. Totally. The experience, yeah, the experiences that you have in your head and in your lifetime flow. It was, it, it, for me, you were helping me build the correct foundation. So if you're going to build a house, you have to have the right foundation or the house falls apart. And I knew I didn't want to do that. And so, you know, you, you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know what I didn't know, but you did. Yeah. And I, am, I, I clung to what you knew that I didn't know until it became clear. And once it did, man, the floodgates opened. I couldn't stop the thoughts. I couldn't stop the creativity. It was all there. And it, but you were so good. You've done this so many times. You knew exactly how to extract that. And, and I, I'm lucky enough to have a teacher like you. Oh, I'm blessed. Thank you so much. But what I remember, I had to keep stopping you from writing. No, you're not ready to write yet. And then once we had our purpose correct, this book that you couldn't write and you got writer's block, you finished it in 30 days. And that's because we had the roadmap right from the beginning and you knew who you were writing for. Now, yeah. that is such a massive, massive difference. And that's why people get writer's block because they're not sure who they're writing for, why they're writing it. And when you have those two things clear, it's really quite apparent what you need to write. And it's you great. Know what really, uh, you know what really... Um, shed light on that point you just made was when I talked with you on my podcast and we talked offline as well as online and you had such clear vision and purpose of who is your audience, what this book does for them, what they do while they're holding it and where is it positioned in their office. And that was phenomenal for me to hear. Now, not every author is like that. And I think when people hear that in the podcast, they go, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I had another guest who is a phenomenal business owner, wrote a book. But it, the book that that person wrote was almost a throw-off. And when I talked offline, how many of you sold? Uh, I mean, not many. I wanted it to be easy, almost like a cartoon book. I mean, a couple hundred pages. I don't want it to be hard to understand. Um, you know, I kind of give it as a giveaway. They devalued the whole thing they put into their book and you would tell me Patrick this will be the most valuable business card you ever print it will represent you overseas so you're in the United States it's going to be here in England it's going to be everywhere and people don't get to talk to you on a screen like I do what do you want it to be and you really put the vision in my mind and I got to have the experience of seeing someone who wrote a book that probably shouldn't have but did it and then someone like you who wrote a book with purpose and you've helped millions of people around the world with what your books do, the KPI guy, that's your nickname. I mean, key performance indicators are, are the lifeblood of business. And you're, you're helping folks do that. So I, I got to have the experience of seeing when you shouldn't write a book and when you should. Yeah, th there's so much work to do before you write a book. 
And it's so important to get that right. And then who you are is more important then than what you write. Because it's not about you, it's about the people you're writing for and the purpose of the book. When you get that, people want to buy it. But you have to get that right in the beginning, plus so much more. Yeah. Okay, we've spoken lots about that. So I always say that different is better than best. So in your experience, I mean, you're calling your book Sell the Difference. So my question is, what is differentiation and why is it so important in the sales environment? Yeah, so, and actually in, in the book, one of the openings to the chapter, I have a picture of a peacock and a penguin with def, uh, differentiation being defined. Differentiation is the act of creating a set of meaningful differences to distinguish one from another. That's the definition according to the dictionary. Now, what I like about that is it's an action. You think about the definition, the words, I mean, if you just soak them in, act, create, meaningful, distinguish. At the root of differentiation is taking action. And to take action, you have to make a choice. So when I look at my notes about differentiation, I realized it's really from the sales side of the table, it's the expression of a salesperson's value. You're expressing your value because you're approaching things differently. And if you can be different and sound different, what's interesting is your clients are expecting that. I had a, I had a guest on uh, one of my podcasts. This, the, the podcast title is called Your Sales Secret Weapon, Mike Lander. Uh, and he is a global procurement manager. And it's interesting because we talked about the expectations of procurement on a sales hindsight podcast. The expectation that you differentiate yourself is there. And if you don't, your client will tell you the value. And they'll usually take whatever you say your value is and they'll cut it down to about 25% of what you think it is. Many people in sales take the job of sales and they don't really know why. Just like writing a book and you don't know why. You have to make a choice that you want to be in sales and if you want to be in sales, you have to make a choice that you want to be really good at sales or just one of the many. My choice was to be really good at sales and sales leadership. And so I spent a 30-year career really boiling it down to this. There's three areas of cost that the procurement folks are looking at. And one of them is the product you're selling. One of it is the cost of processing or using. And one is the cost of administration. The product cost is about 5% of the whole deal, which means 95% is of their problems are caught up in other areas, soft dollars, they call them. So if you, if you do the math and you're presenting, let's say, a technology product worth $100,000, that means there's $2 million of cost associated with that $100,000 product. If you don't differentiate yourself as a salesperson, listen with intention to understand. Quantify your solutions with dollars associated with processing administration. What does it cost my customer to actually use an inefficient product? If I'm not gonna do that, then my customer is gonna just put me into a corner of, I can get better pricing, I know the market, I know it better than you, and 
Sometimes you win as a salesperson, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you get deals that you're excited about and your company is not because you haven't differentiated yourself to your client. Think of it like speed dating. That industry is all about differentiation. If you sit at the table, you've got 20 minutes to meet somebody. If they sound like everybody else, they're out the door. The minute they sound unique and different, you'll give them more time. That's what sales differentiation is all about. Uh, you know, I completely agree with that. When I began my journey, I strived to be the best in the world at what I did. But after a while, I thought, how can I measure that? Because it's subjective, right? Some people will think it, some won't. So what I decided to do was to be someone different. So no one else does what I do. So therefore, if you want what I have, you come to me. No one else does what I do. And it's so much more powerful. There's so much more leverage in creating difference than trying to be the best. When you're the best, I, someone's always biting at your heels. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I think what I strive to be is better as opposed to best. And I try to be better than myself the previous day. I don't try to be better than my competition. But in the book, Sell the Difference, we give a lot of practical uh, applications. My, my theory is if it's easy to remember, it's easy to repeat. And I want folks who read this book to remember a couple of visuals that help. But one of the things is we talk about thinking from the other side. And that means you need to think like your customer or your procurement manager thinks. You need to think how their CEO thinks. You need to think how the folks using your product think. And you need to think how your, comp your com competitors think. What will they be saying? And, you know, one of the things I like to do is um, have my clients, when I do consulting, write down all their key selling advantages. And then I have them write down their competitors' key selling advantages. And then we take a yellow highlighter and we highlight all the things that are similar. And it's interesting, you can highlight everything on both sides of the list, which means you're not saying anything different than anybody else. So you're leaving it up to the customer to decide. It's not the customer's responsibility to figure out your key selling advantage. As a salesperson, it is absolutely your obligation and your responsibility to make sure they are clear on what makes you different. And when you do make yourself different, you change the question of why should we do business with you to why haven't we been doing business with you all along? And that's what you're after. I love that when you said it's not the customer's responsibility to find out how you are different. I love that. Okay, so you've been writing this book. What lessons have you learned so far from writing Sell the Difference? What I learned, um, and it, it goes back to um, what you were talking about, pull, you know, pulling the reins on my enthusiasm to get started writing. And I think a lot of folks probably who write books or want to write a book start this way. They, they look at it as I'm writing a book. I, it was definitely the task of writing the book, and I want to get started so that I can get finished. Once that was off the table, thanks to your guidance, <laughs> it became really more strategic than tactical. Why am I writing the book and who am I writing it for? What will they benefit from? So I, I found myself, um, like I said, when I felt creative, I wrote. I went with it. And I, and I wrote topics that could be illustrated easily. And the benefit of each 
word on each page in each chapter came through. I didn't care about page count. I didn't care about the title. The title didn't come to me till the very end, which is amazing because I'm saying I referred to notes years ago, but it wasn't obvious to me. What this book is not, this book is not tactics to close a deal or techniques to ask for a big order. It is not, here's how to make your next six figures after reading my book. And if that's what you're after, I'm sure there are books like that out there. But I believe that's like blowing a bubble with a piece of bubble gum. It's going to pop and it's going to lose its flavor. Sell the difference is about being the difference. It's about recognizing that your differences make you stronger, that when you have confidence in your different solutions, that you can stand up for them. So that when you're three years into a negotiation and you're just about to close that deal and someone new comes into procurement and they change things up, you have confidence in your solutions to say, I'm going to answer that, but let me ask you, what does it cost you to start over with this bad solution that's costing you $2 million for a $100,000 product or whatever it might be? You have confidence to stand up for yourself and it makes, and customers appreciate questions that make them ask or think or go, oh, I never thought of it that way. And when you get that, all the other salespeople, my analogy in the book is that when you sound the same as everybody else, the customer takes the mute button like they do with their TV and they put you on mute. And we do a really nice uh, uh, analogy of that when I consult with clients to show how often you're talking on mute and how foolish you look. So why would you ever do that in your career? Absolutely. A slightly different question for you now. I want to match purpose and differentiation. When we first spoke a few months ago and you were talking about a book, it was almost like you were embarrassed about talking about the book because you hadn't done anything. It's, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I've got this book, Jeff. Will I do it? Yeah, yeah, it's a possibility, maybe. However, listening to you now, you are transformed. So mm -hmm. once we found your purpose for this book, and, and now you're through the other end, do you think that people are treating you differently now your book is a reality? Uh, it's a good question. I think they are, but I, I think it's a product of how I'm approaching them. I'm approaching them with this purpose. Uh, it's like I was just knighted. And so <laughs> I, I, I feel a different purpose. I feel I can't wait, um, not in a way to interrupt people and tell them I wrote a book. I don't really care about that, but I love to talk about what's in the book and what it does for folks. Um, and and we, you know, we, we talk about strategy quite a bit in the book. I think you have to be strategic in every meeting and every conversation. Um, I think that strategy begins with a clear picture of done, and you help me gain that clarity. And what does it look like when you're done, Patrick? Because done with the book is the beginning of the readership. So when I looked at it that way, I said, oh, I, I'm simply creating this bridge between myself and the readers. And when you talk about do people treat me different, what I found was I was writing differently. By the time I completed writing the book, I actually felt like I could see my audience and like I was having a conversation that we are laughing about, sharing experiences together. 
and yet I hadn't sold one copy. I don't have an audience. You know, and that's it, what it felt like. Isn't it fascinating? Because we decided all of that before you wrote a single word. And, and yeah. it's wonderful to hear that because that was the purpose right at the beginning and you've achieved it. And I'm sure when people read this book, hold it in their hands, they'll be hearing your voice, I'm sure. So just a quickie, when I know you've written it, it's finished. Mm-hmm. When, when do you hope to have it into people's hands? So it'll be ready uh, in, in folks' hands fourth quarter of 2022. So we, we want to have it ready so that folks can, can read this and, and build strategy and results into their business going into the fourth quarter and also as they begin to set new goals for the new year in 2023. So I think folks can look for this um, around October 1st to October 15th. Um, I do have some folks who are reserving advanced copies. And the best way to do that is just go to my website, pksolutionsgroup.com. Use the contact us button and just let me know you'd like your advanced copy and I'll be, I'll be sure to get you first on that list. That's great. That's awesome. So a little bit back to your book now. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm fortunate to have read some of it. And in your book, you describe finding and working with what you call the perfect customer. Patrick, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always challenge folks to take the time. First of all, many, many sales managers, many sales vice presidents, many presidents of company, many salespeople just in their territory are very focused on tactical or short-term objectives. And it's human nature to have a bias toward action. Sales are down. Let's go sell something. Sales are down. Let's make more phone calls. Sales are down. Let's have a sales contest. Very rarely does somebody say, sales are down. Let's pull back and get more strategic. It's not the response you expect. And strategy shouldn't be an event. It should be a process. It should be an everyday thing. So part of the strategy that I challenge the the clients that I consult with is I will ask them, can you make me a list of your top 10 or top 20 customers and make me a list of your top 10 or 20 prospects. And that list gets rattled off quickly. That's great. And then we leave that for a while. We talk about why. Many times it's what they spend with us, what the customer's annual sales are, how many locations they have. It's descriptions about the physical attributes of that customer. And it might be descriptions about the physical attributes of the customer matched up with the products we sell. Then I later ask, if you could pick the ideal characteristics of the people you work with every day, they could be perfect for you. What would those characteristics be? And it, it turns out to be a lot of subjective things. You get things like, yeah, they, they have the, the money to spend. They have this kind of annual sales. But then you get into subjective qualities like character, valuing differences, collaboration, problem solving, solutions, new ideas, all these things. And then when we go back and revisit who spends the most with you and compare that to how do they match up with these characteristics, many times we find people taking their number one, two, or three customers off that list. They don't match those characteristics. And I, I use the analogy, um, my, my daughter has her master's, just finished up getting her master's, and she's now looking for jobs. But she's applied to several jobs that require a bachelor's degree or less. Why? 
She has a sense of urgency. I need to make money. I, as a sales leader, have a sense of urgency. I need to make this quarter's objectives. We do tactical things. Let's go just get the job because I need money. And when I said to her, why don't you take a look at things that only require a master's? Start over and send out those resumes to those folks. And pretty soon all you're dealing with is those opportunities that are at that level or higher. So it's, a, it's really a process of positive elimination of what you really don't want. And imagine if all you did business with, Jeff, were folks who fit your ideal description. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And if you started today, how many of those would you have by the end of the year? How many of those would you have in a year and a half? How many of those would you have in two years? And over a lifetime, what are you surrounded by? People who share the same qualities that you value the most that, oh, by the way, they do business with me. So I encourage folks, and we spend a lot of time on how do you do this? Do you do this? Most companies will go, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know, I, I, I do that, I think about it, I, I, we look at it, but it's a, it's a throw-off, they don't do it. Because the reality is you can't lie to yourself, and if you're not doing it, it's hit or miss if you even sell something. Okay, let me put you on the spot now. Who is the perfect customer for your book? Well, for my book, the perfect customer is going to be, uh, it's easy to say anyone in sales, but I don't say that. I say uh, people who are in sales at any level, so entry level, mid-level, junior level, definitely sales leadership, and definitely owners of companies who want to build a business. So if you're running a sales territory and your only ambition is to be a really good salesperson, that's your business. So, and if you're president of a company, that's your business. And if you're an entrepreneur, that's your business. But if you have a company that you're trying to build or a business you're trying to build, and you're trying to do it for the long haul, not transactional, let me sell you this widget transactional, but something that has to do with solutions, creativity, value, that type of thing, then those are the people who can benefit from this book. You know, there's a, there's a saying uh, from, from Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, when he was a general in the United States Army, he said, strategy itself is worth nothing, but the act of strategizing is priceless. And that's incredibly important because when the real world takes over, you've gone through the process of planning. You don't react, you still proact in the moment. And so I'm looking for people in sales who truly want to be there, they're ready to be there, they're willing to be there, and they're able to change their approach because chances are they are sounding the same. They're speaking on mute. They're sounding the same as everybody else, and they want to get better. I'm going to get you back on the show when your book is released because I want to find out more about the strategy you've thought about and deployed to get your hands into the, the correct readership. So we're going to revisit that. Now, thinking about your whole life, What's the most important thing you've ever learned? Well, um, I think the most important thing that I've learned, there's a lot of important things I've learned, um, but I, I'll give that lesson uh, to my wife of over 30 years. And, you know, they talk about in good times and in bad, um, and you can lean on, you know, your spouse and that type of thing. And I think it's the respect I've gained for her in not the fact that, I can lean on her, but the fact that she can take the weight and the duration and the length of that lean 
And she can bring out the best in me because she knows me best and she's honest with me. So I think it's the respect of her strength, which is a very soft strength. And it's helped me to learn to uh, listen to others with compassion. What's your wife's name? Sonia, S-O-N-I-A, no Y, no J. Okay, Sonia, <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to send you a personal message with this yeah. so you can play well, it to Patrick we're, whenever we're married, you need. We're married, 30, we're married 30 years, 33 years, so there's probably no brownie points anymore. I'm the dog whistle in her life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you want to do something like, let's say, write a book, what do you do, Patrick, to get inspired? Well, for this particular book, I, when I was talking to you, I was inspired by how excited you got about your book and your audience and what it did for them. And lingering in the back of my mind was I had that feeling in my mid-30s. I just had the wrong motivation and then didn't have the roadmap. You, you presented the roadmap. And... I also thought about, um, you know, being in my mid-50s, I, I think I have a lot more to lend to the audience coming behind me when they listen to the things that sales life has, has taught me, no matter what level it's at. So what, what got me really excited was the idea that the, the listenership that follows the podcast and the responses that are given to me, told me that folks want more. They want to hear more. And this has to be in a hardcover. This has to be something they can refer to, annotate, use in their daily lives. And that got me really excited. And it got me back to, to being better, not trying to be the best author, just being better than what they have to help them be better every single day they move forward. And I would love to have everybody who reads this book Say, I, I just got this book. I just feel better every time I hold it and I learn something new. And I will guarantee you, the folks that believe that they're differentiating, the folks that believe they've been in sales for a long time, will learn one to two to three to four different things. Whether they say, this is something I dust off and redo, I learned it years ago, or something they've never done. And, and so, you know, in my younger, uh, I guess, cockier days, I might have said, yeah, you know, I wrote the book on sales, but now I can say I really did. <laughs> <laughs> all right then if there's someone listening right now who has it in their minds to write a book and they've not yet got started what advice would you like to give to them well i think I, I, my first advice is get a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you <laughs> <laughs> and if that can't be done uh, which I, you're accessible to everyone. You're, you're very approachable, and I just have to applaud you for as accomplished as you are, you are extremely available and very helpful. Uh, but I would say um, follow that path of, you know, you have to get clarity. We, we have a lot of ideas in our head, and they can overlap. Our mind doesn't know how to necessarily unravel all of the ideas. I discovered that myself. And it's really important to write down clearly what will this book be about? Who will it be for? And what will it do for them as they're using it? And if you can do that, that's great. And if your idea is, I'm going to write a throw-off book that is a cartoon book, that's okay. Make that your purpose. Go do that. That's okay. If your purpose, like yours or mine, is to be better or to be the, the de facto book, then you have to be that. And you have to 
you have to understand when I talk about differentiation, I'm talking about expectations. So the folks that are going to buy my book have an expectation when they buy it. I had better live up to that expectation or they're never buying another book of mine again. And that's how it goes when I go with, meet with my customers. Uh, you know, I, I know that they have an expectation. I need to meet those expectations. And so I have to challenge myself to think about those expectations. So that's the advice I give future writers is think about the expectations of your audience and decide if what you're trying to do matches that. And if not, go back to the drawing board like you made me do. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great advice. So writing a book has little to do with writing a book. That's the easy part, right? There's much to do, months to do, months of work to do before you write a word. That, that's great. Patrick, if someone needs your help or wants to reach out to you, how do we do it? I think the best way, if folks go to my website, pksolutionsgroup.com, and you can use the Contact Us button. I answer all my emails there. Um, if not, one of my team will. You can let me know if you have a question about strategy or differentiation. You can let me know you'd like to be on the list for the advanced copies. We have a shop button at the website where you can get uh, downloads of some of our podcasts, uh, bonus content and meditations, or just get our free podcast right there. That's where you're going to get all the resources you'll ever need, pksolutionsgroup.com. That's wonderful. Thank you. We're out of time, unfortunately. So that's it for today. Thank you so much indeed, Patrick Kagan. Thank you for your honesty. You have been truly amazing. Thank well, you, Jeff. And you do amazing work. Thank that, you. Thank you so much. I'm blessed. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope the show has helped to ignite your passion to be a catalyst for action and giving you the fuel you need to realize your dreams. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit the follow button, leave a review, and of course, share it with a friend. It makes a huge difference because without your help, we just can't succeed. So please go ahead, hit the follow button right now, and share this podcast with one of your friends. On another note, I'm always searching for great success stories. So if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you'd like to nominate a guest, please contact me at our website at jeff-smith.com. You know, I'd really love to hear from you. That's all from me today. Thank you again for listening. Thank you to Patrick Kagan, and have a great day.